The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. I love the power. Hi everyone, I am Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, a show about all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. Joining me as co-host is the Fisherman Fishing Rick. How are you, buddy? Oh, Macca, mate, I'm excited. Awesome. Fantastic. Happy day today, Macca, you know why? Happy day. Why is that? I got my player sponsorship assigned to me today and I'm, I'm very, very excited and very I, excited. I'm very excited. I uh, I won't I won't tell people yet. We'll let them find out in time if they're not very smart. And um, <laughs> I got my tickets for the footy. Finally arranged it all. So you saw you saw the tickets. So um, pretty uh, pretty excited by that. And good seats, I'm, mate. Good seats. I'm near the end of my concreting journey. That's almost finished. So that's just uh, bloody awesome. And what about the Formula One coming? Live on Foxtel. How freaking awesome is that? That is great. Oh my God, I'll do nothing every weekend for 26 weeks now because I'll be watching practices, qualifying a whole lot. I'm just freaking out about that. And what about Port? Port is just freaking awesome. I'm just happy about Port. And can I do a plug? Yes. Yes, you can. uh, I've started my own finance podcast because you abandoned me. (laughs) <laughs> and um, you wouldn't join me on it, you coward. So I've gone solo with guests. So if anyone wants to get finance tips and a little bit of help, go newvision.podomatic.com. Uh, I keep them short, not like the footy ones, because um, yeah, obviously people get bored after 10 minutes. So 10 minutes of finance tips, property tips, um, mortgage broking, whatever. So have a listen and hopefully enjoy it. Get into it. Yes. All right, we do actually have a guest on this evening as oh, well. Do um, <laughs> we do. Um, it's uh, a bit of a podcast noob. His first time on the podcast tonight. Uh, one of our old school posters, though, on Big Footy. We're speaking with Andre. Yeah, greetings, guys. Thanks for joining us. Oh, glad to be here. Well, we'll see. I'm not sure if I've dropped myself in it, suggesting we do <laughs> these previews yet, but we'll That's find it. out. Love it. Well, look, can you tell us a bit about how you came to support Port Adelaide? Yeah, well, it didn't come from a uh, footy-supporting family, uh, so it came in a roundabout way. Um, when I was about eight or nine, a company that my dad worked for at the time, one of their clients happened to have a corporate box, and so I uh, followed along with dad to that. I think it was Port versus Nord, if I remember correctly, and dad's not a footy fan, but everyone else there was going for Norwood, and for some reason that rubbed me up the wrong way. Um, <laughs> And uh, they were playing Port, of course. Um, and Port won the match, and which I enjoyed. Uh, but what really um, got me is we were lucky enough to go down into the rooms after the match, and that pretty much sealed that that was going to be my team. But after that, I was pretty much a casual supporter until, um, as I say, I wasn't from a footy-supporting family, until 95 when um, our second crack at the AFL really kicked off, and that's when I... Went along to finals, 95-96, which um, yep. had one of my favourite games, of course, is Scotty. And then uh, been a, a platinum or whatever they've been called over the years from 97 onwards and been getting along ever since. Beautiful. Do you have a favourite match and a favourite player? I do. I've got one of each from one from the SNFL and one from the AFL of each. Yep. SNFL, of course, can't go past Scotty and it has to be for that final and that goal. 
which we'd yep. all know about, uh, versus Norwood. Just uh, pretty much sealed it there. He's just a uh, SNFL legend. AFL uh, have to be Wanganeen. Not just for what he did on the field, but just when we, we got in, just that he came back to Port and when we needed someone um, of his stature to come back. So, um, so I've always uh, been why he's been my favourite player. And on, so on, the, on the flip side, why I've always disliked Nathan Buckley. Yep. I was never That's impressed that he didn't come back. And a favourite match in the airfield has to be round 22, uh, 2002, that epic one against Brisbane when it looked like it was going to be the preview of a grand final in the three weeks' time with um, Roger James and uh, starring in that one. Um, of course, it wasn't a B, but, yeah, it's still the one which sort of stands out as my favourite home and away game. Love it. Good stuff. All right, well, let's, uh, let's get straight into it. We'll talk about the stadium deal because finally... Finally, it looks like something's happening here. Hasn't been a great agreed to yet. I don't think it's been signed off, but it looks like uh, what's going to happen is a $3 million combined uplift for both Port Adelaide and Adelaide to climb over uh, $4 million by 2017. Looks like we're going to have more reserve seats to sell, some more corporate assets to sell as well. And there's going to be a review at the end of 2017 as well. I think that's a pretty good outcome for both Port and the Crows. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was never going to be that we'd get everything we'd want in one go as much as we'd all like that. I think it's a it's a good first step, and um, I'm sure when we get a review, the club will be hammering hard to um, get further uplift again. But I think given that really the SNFL didn't have to hand over anything and was only pressure from outside that, that forced them to it, it's a, it's a good starting point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess I'm usually a very positive person as you know Macca but I guess my 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 critique has been a little bit skeptical um, with the returns because uh, I think we need to keep it realistic and in check because we're flying at the moment so so far so much that um, we're even fourth on memberships uh, at the moment which is on the Port Adelaide website which is just a huge effort from all our supporters and members that are getting on board nice and early um, but at the same time you know we still had a, a two and a half million dollar loss now I will admit I haven't been able to look at the figures I'm just too busy and I don't haven't seen them anyway um, like with access but um, to only to only be getting a million and a half uplift from that um, we're going to need to still raise a lot of revenue from other sources um, to actually become viable in the in the down times as well as the good times. So I don't think it's a, a solution um, to our problem, which is forever. Um, we need to now look at ways to, to building a strong foundation so we can have repeat profits in those lows as well as the peaks. And I don't, I don't think we're, we're completely there yet. Well, it's probably a good segue into the AGM, uh, where they did announce a $2.5 million loss. They've released some figures. Um, we had a 45% growth in membership revenue, which is fantastic. 85% growth in corporate revenue, which is bloody huge. 42% uh, growth in merchandise sales. It is very disappointing to lose so much money when everything seemed to go right last year. Um, but again, I, I think it's great that we've had huge growth in those areas as well. Well, you look at like last year, though, we were um, 
at pretty much at the bottom for membership um, cost per person turning up. I mean, even with the price rises we've had this year, we're still in the lower end of the um, the ladder for membership costs for people going to the footy. I mean, we'd expect a, a good uplift this year with the the price raises, and you'd expect going for the next two or three years that prices will go up again, especially and it's looking like we will sell out you know, all our 11-game memberships. Yeah, yeah look, I, I think it's paramount that we've got to just get more revenue from our supporters. I think it's it's very noble um, to have had the cheaper season tickets in the league, you know, especially given our results over the last sort of uh, four or five seasons before, obviously, last year. Um, but to basically not have raised the prices in five years, I mean, it, it ends up costing us money, costing us viability, um, and it really does need to change. I think we've spoken plenty um, that it's been raised by 10 or 11% this year, which is great. Um, I think we need to probably raise it another 20% over the next two years. And also, I think there'll be some sections of the supporter base that, uh, that won't be happy about that. I think it's an absolute necessity for us to become a viable and prosperous football club in the AFL to do this. Absolutely. So I think that... Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think the dormant part of our supporter base has had it pretty easy for a very long time. You know, you haven't really needed to buy a season ticket. You could just walk up to any game over the last, you know, 10, 15 years and buy at the gate. I think now that finally demand is, is very much outweighing supply, um, the club needs to make the most of that and start pocketing some money to work away our debt and become the league leader that we, you know, we hope that the, uh, the PAFC aspires to be. Well, that's sort of like the one. You look at the case of... We have all this debt, obviously, we want to clear, but you'd hope if we have this um, period of success, we actually start looking at some, the club starts looking at some non-footy-related revenue streams. Yep. Mate, and you, uh, you tell me that you can't talk finance on a finance, pod, finance podcast, Matt. <laughs> you are a disgraceful liar. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, we've been spoiled as supporters, and as you said, rightfully so. I mean, supply and demand are now changing and uh, there's demand and supply is becoming limited and as we get to 60,000 members there there won't be the supply at all which obviously will drive up prices so um, yeah it's 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 a good thing for the club and yeah it's just amazing it's it's not amazing but interesting how we we're going to be able to keep driving the corporate support and I guess it's to keeping that positive momentum uh, and for how long we can keep it I mean you know, it's creating that buffer. I mean, if you look at, compare the Collingwoods, and I'm not talking about, oh, we can get the same amount of memberships of them, or even the West Coast Eagles, for example. It's the, the, what they do is they're able to create those sustainable profit models regardless of performance, and, and that's what we need. And then there won't be talk in the future of why are they in the competition. And, uh, I mean, if, if you guys are like me, it made me sick to hear um, that sort of talk about our footy club, and I... I don't ever want to hear that again in my lifetime. Absolutely. No. We definitely need more revenue from corporates as well, and it looks like that's happening. We've obviously got the Oak sponsorship this year. Um, apparently, there's a couple of other new sponsors coming on on, on the same level as Oak. I mean, the next few weeks, um, we've had a, a big uplift in corporate hospitality sales at Adelaide Oval. So it looks like this is happening. Koshi said on the radio over the weekend that he wanted two more, uh, sorry, two million more from corporate sales, um, and it does look like we'll, we'll probably get that. Well, like it's like Kosh said. I mean, the corporates is um, is pretty much a lagging finance part of the picture. It's it's 
corps want to jump on the successful teams, which um, from their point of view makes sense. And now we'd be getting both corporates, and you'd expect when it comes time for Renault and Energy Australia to renew that you know, the club would be able to get a, a significant amount more than they have out of the current sponsorships with them. That's it. I guess how much do we have to... Uh, and I'm not ignoring KT on here at all, but how much do we have to attribute to... To Koshi in relation to our profile in the media and and his positioning in the media, I, I really think there's a strong correlation there with with our increased exposure to our increased attractiveness to competitors or sorry competitors to corporate. So um, yeah, I, I, well done to David and what he's done for us so far. Well, it's just the Eddie Maguire factor, isn't it? You know, just a a very popular figure very well-known figure, someone that knows what they're talking about. Um, I think him and KT are the perfect match. Well, as I say, Kosh is, is going to get your people in the door and, and handles all the finance side of it. KT is the the expert uh, on the football operations. And, and it's like you say, Macca, they make a perfect team. They uh, cover each other's deficiencies. Well, look what we thought we would do over the next few weeks, thanks to the fantastic... Uh, suggestion by Andre um, is preview the other clubs and um, what we can expect from them in 2015 maybe how the team might line up and, and will we be able to beat them um, and where they might finish on the ladder as well um, so we'll start in alphabetical order um, this week we'll do Adelaide through to Frio um, and we'll, we'll follow on in a couple of weeks after that as well uh, so we'll start with the Crows the new era Crows under Philip Walsh uh, we play them twice as we do every year we play them away in round 5 home in round 16 Played them twice last year for a 54-point win and a 23-point loss. We won three of our last four against Adelaide. What are we expecting from the Crows this year? Well, bottom part of the eight. Really? Yep. Yeah, I think they've... Okay. Well, yeah, well, it's the same every year. Gil hands them a, uh, a soft draw. I think that um, with Walker back for the whole year, then unless they cop... Major injuries, they'll beat up on all the, the weak teams in the middle of a road teams at home and manage to get a, a two or three wins against the bottom teams away and that will scrape them into seventh or eighth. I mean, a new coach, uh, I just, I don't know. I think they've got, I think they've got problems there too. I mean, I, I still think there's, um, I'm not convinced on their, on their leadership selections and, and how well that's going to go down and, you hear the murmurings in the media about you know a bit of unrest and divide. So it'll be interesting how they play as a unified team this year. Yeah, I think they've made a lot of changes to their squad, um, whether it's for the good or for the worse. So I guess we'll wait and find out. But they've got rid of a lot of their dead wood. Guys like Paul Pleasure, Johnston, Luke Thompson, McKenna, Petrenko, who all played a fair bit of AFL footy, but you know never really gone on with it except for Paul Pleasure. They've also lost Ben Rutten. Um, into their squad, um, you know, Cheney looks like he'll play a lot of games. Loudon's probably back up, and, uh, and Jake Lever's a, a, a fantastic draft pick for them. Um, I don't know. I think Adelaide's probably got the, the widest scope of where they might finish. I, I think they could maybe, at a stretch, push for top four, given their draw, if they have a good run with injuries. But then again, they could also finish, um, you know, towards the bottom four as well. Mm-hmm. You know, with a new coach, new ideas... I think they're going to be a lot tougher, a lot more aggressive under Philip Walsh. They'll be cleaner, especially through the midfield. Um, you know that they'll be relying on their second and third stringers to, to really push up and make a name for themselves. Guys like Kerridge and Lyons, 
uh, Matt Crouch, uh, Charlie Cameron, Kyle Hardigan, these sorts of guys. I think they're pretty vulnerable at the back. They do lack a lot of depth um, in defence. Um, but look, I think with their draw, um, they could easily be 8-0 if things go their way. I think uh, I think they might finish around about 6. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's pretty close to what I was uh, thinking there. I mean, I'd agree they've got a, a big scope. I think, as I say, the key thing for them is they, they have some good top-level talent, but they have a hell of a lot of vanilla players um, as well. And if they lose pretty much one of Dangerfield, Sloan, Walker or um, or Talia for an extended period of a year like we did Trengrove last year, they're pretty much down the toilet. They just don't have any depth um, due to the, the Tippett and Gunston going and um, the sanctions from Tippett, um, the whole Tippett saga. Oh, I was just going to say, so what's your tip for for the, the circus that they're going to have this year with Patrick Dangerfield? Do you think he's going to go or do you think he'll stay? He'll go. I, mean, I, I think, think it's Danger gonna, will go. Yeah. I mean, I think Sloan, he's staying. I mean, that's... Um, I don't mm. think he's the sort of player to walk out on a club. Um, I mean, you'd love that he would walk out. You'd love to get a hold of him. I mean, him and Talia and Walker, you'd snap up from Adelaide um, in a heartbeat, but I can't see any of those ever leaving. But in Dangerfield, it's, um, I think, all but the most um, rose-coloured uh, glasses Adelaide supporters would, in, in their hearts, know he's gone at the end of the year. And what does that say for Adelaide as a club if they do lose a player of his um, calibre? Does that, does that really highlight that they've got potential cultural issues in their institution with the, the bleeding of players that they've suffered over the last four or five years? I think a lot of teams lose players. Um, I don't think it's probably a cultural issue as much as we like to think it might be. But Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just maybe sure. the players that they pick and, and the players that where they where they choose from. I mean, Dangerfield's always sort of screamed that he might go home at some point. And if he does, I think it's more like people say, well, it was always going to happen. Yeah, but you look at the calibre of player that they've lost, uh, Gunston, Davis, Bock, Tippett. Uh, you know, now we're talking about Davis. They're not talking about fringe players that are looking for greater opportunity. They're looking about key players that uh, are getting out of their AFL system and, and wanting to go somewhere else. So, um, you know, these were these were rumours that were thrown at our club for quite some time, which were unfounded and never actually happened. And and I'm not saying that Adelaide supporters or media, well, some of the media did, um, throw those accusations around. But I just think it's it, it must be a, a bit of an issue, and it could it could be cultural from their selection panel um, being stubborn and just recruiting players that don't really want to go there. I don't know, or there could be something else to it. But they don't seem to be able to hold on to their players over that well, and I'm sure every one of those players I listed, they would be enjoying them in that, that side at this point in time. But then it's that whole one with um, recruiting players which don't want to go to the club. I mean, we've obviously had a few failures there with um, Jacob being the last of those, but then you also get like the ones, you look at like Ollie Wines when he's recruited, didn't exactly look like he was happy to um, to go to port. Um, you, you want to back your club in to turn around their you know, opinion and make them want to stay. Otherwise, you just really um, only recruit, if you only stick to recruiting those from the state you're in or those which you know, clearly say you want to come to your club, you're, um, you're cutting off a lot of you know, potential um, good players. Well, look, what results uh, yeah. do we think we'll, we'll get from the two games against them this year? Oh, well, 
the first one's going to be like, I think a lot of it's going to come down to who we have on uh, then. I'd assume we'd have Tringrove and, and Wingard definitely back by then. And the more interesting one is, are we going to have Ryder for the first few rounds? It's going to be an interesting time, that first game, round five. Um, mm. You know, we play a lot of bloody hard teams in that first four weeks. And you know, if we're struggling at sort of 2-2 two, two or 1-3 and three going into that game, I mean, Adelaide might see a bit of blood and, and see if they can sort of finish off our top four aspirations pretty early in the year. I think if we have any two of um, uh, Ryder, Trengrove and Wingard in the side, we'll account for them fairly easily. If we're um, missing that level of quality, then they're in with a chance. But I'd um, at worst, I'd say even without any of them, we're still 50-50. It was only... Um, Last year, really, in the, even in the second showdown, it was only when Trengrove went down that yeah. you know, the game dropped away from us. Up until that point in time, it was looking like we were heading towards a victory, albeit not as large one as the first um, showdown. Oh, look, I, think, uh, I don't think we've got too much to worry about, to be honest. As long as we're in the right headspace, I think uh, we should have them covered and uh, we should get a win. It is, it's an away game first up, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, it should be a good experience for the players against a, a parochial bias crowd against them again. So, uh, But I, I'd be pretty disappointed if we put in an insipid performance, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on to the Lions. Brisbane, uh, we played them round seven at the Gabba this year. Last year we played them only the once, which was in round four, which was a massive 113-point victory. We've won our last two against Brisbane. Um, they've made some significant changes to their list as well. They've brought in three pretty decent players in uh, Dane Beams, um, Alan Christensen, and also Mitch Robinson. But they've lost Jonathan Brown, they've lost McGrath, they've lost Patful, one of their best players, uh, Crispin, also Maloney as well. So they've made some significant changes there. Well, they've also lost uh, Hanley for a large part of a season, which is um, yep. they certainly won't have him by the time we play him in round seven. So I think that's... Um, it sort of counts as one of their uh, ends of either Christensen or, or Beams, effectively. Yeah, that's true, very true. Yep, yeah, I think the Lions, their problem is, um, which everyone pretty much knows, it's not their midfields or their smalls, it's, it's just their lack of um, key position talent at either end of the ground. And all this, all the um, articles out of Brisbane, it's been they're wanting their smalls, you know, push in from the midfield and go down and score goals or um, and be able to drop back, you know, help out there. But it's um, they've recruited a lot of good quality midfielders, but they are midfielders. It'll be interesting to see whether they can adapt to being uh, playing in a, either forward or back in a part of a ground, or is it going to be that they've just got so many midfielders that they don't know where to put them? Yeah. I think, yeah, my query over them is just who's going to kick their goal. When you take away Jonathan Brown and... You know, their, their highest scoring key position forward last year was Daniel Merritt, who's their full-back, which is a, a bit of a concern. Um, they're almost solely reliant on their kids standing up, and they've got a lot of young tolls, a lot of young key position forwards, but they're just so raw. I'm just not sure they're going to be able to stand up for a whole season um, and kick a bunch of goals and, and turn them into a, a regular winning outfit. I was going to say, the quality of their midfield, though, is going to be quite strong to the point where it should deliver them some games uh, against the, the weaker opposition. So I'm not expecting them to, to make finals, but I think they can create some upsets along the way um, to teams that maybe aren't fully focused. 
That's a pretty good draw. They play uh, Western Bulldogs, North Melbourne, the Crows, Carlton and Gold Coast twice. Um, I've got them down for around about sort of seven or eight wins and I think they'll probably finish bottom four around 16th. I think they just need one more year of development um, before they have a big spike up the ladder um, in 2016. Yeah, well, I think they'll go a bit better than that. I think they're um, sort of like as Rick alludes to. I think their midfield's going to be good enough to get over, um, you know, a few teams. It's uh, it's going to be teams which have a, a top-rate defence. They're just going to hit a wall and not score. But playing teams which um, where the defence isn't one of their strengths, I think their midfield is going to be good enough to get them over line. I'd tip them round eleven to fourteen, probably towards okay. the bottom of that range. But yep. I see anywhere there. What not in. Not in finals, mate. Yeah. But I think you've got a great point about their, their lack of uh, key position players, which will be their undoing. But I think they've got the makings that there's going to be, uh, over the next couple of years, they're going to be on an upward trajectory. Speaking of 100-point floggings, uh, next cab off the rank is Carlton, who we play at, uh, at the MCG in round 12. Uh, we played them twice last year. Uh, round one, obviously, to start the season, we had that great 33-point win um, away from home. And round 22, where we won by 103 points in just a magical display. Um, they've had a huge turnover of their list as well. They brought in uh, Liam Jones, Jason Tutt, Christian Jakes, um, a couple of young kids in Bokehurst and Dick as well. But they've also lost a lot of talent in there. Jared Waite, um, Jeff Garlett, Heath Scotland's retired. Brock McLean's gone, Kane Lucas and Mitch Robertson as well. Just before Andre chips in, I just want to point something out about what you just said there. Um, what's unusual about this game between Port and Carlton this year? I don't know. It's at the MCG for probably it, the first well, time ever. I was just about to say, I don't recall us ever playing Carlton at the MCG. We're always shafted with Eddie Hat, So no. uh, I'm very surprised by that. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, I don't remember ever playing Carlton at the MCG. I know from when I lived in Melbourne in the early 2000s, it was always traipsing up the, on the tram up Royal Parade to um, Pig's Ass Park. <laughs> yes, that's what I remember too. And I don't think we've ever played Carlton in a, in a final in Victoria, I don't no. think. No, we've played them once at the MCG before in round, uh, round 19, 2005. So it doesn't come around too often, and we don't have many games at the MCG, so at least we've got a decent opposition. As, as rare as a North Melbourne game in Adelaide for us. That's right. Well, what are we expecting from Carlton this year? I'm, I'm not expecting much <laughs> at all, to be honest. Big Bolthouse to get sacked before the halfway mark of the season. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I just need a thesaurus to look up all the words which I can use instead of putrid. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they are... They're wrecked. Uh, they're my tip for um, the spoon. They've just lost what little talent they had, and they've brought in. Um, well, their trading and drafting is actually really strange. I don't know why they've gone for Liam Jones and Jason Tut when they're obviously on the way down. They've brought in these um, journeymen has been a, a um, kind way of describing them. It's like it just seems to be all over the place what their plans are for for 2015. It's like they expect to move up the ladder. Say they've they've turned over so many key players in the last few years, and they've lost their main goal kickers over the last two years. You know, talking about Waite, Betts, and Garlett, they're all gone. You know, they're very very light on depth. Um, you know, can guys like Judd and Thomas and Cruiser get over their injury issues? We've seen Cruiser is injured again this preseason. 
Um, you know, is a forward line of Henderson, Jones, and Caswell good enough to win your games? I'm, I'm not too sure mm. it is. No, no, I don't think so. No. I mean, it's, it's so they've lost all their um, their talent. Cruz is injured yet again. I mean, um, do they have anyone over 190 centimetres who um, would even get a game for reserves of anyone else? Yeah, I mean, Henderson's a really good player. I really like Henderson, but he can't do it all. Um, I'm just not sure Liam Jones, um, over the off-season, has learned how to play football, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're similar to Brisbane in a way, aren't they? Where they... They've got the midfield, even though Carlton's midfield's a lot older than Brisbane's, but they, they just don't have the key position players. Mm. They've still got a lot of natural talent, and that could see them finish, you know, just outside the eight. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm tipping them to finish 17th with around about five wins. They only won one game against finalists in 2014, though. They did push Geelong, Frio, um, Hawthorne and Richmond throughout the year. Um, they were pretty close to winning those games. You know, are they going to drop off? I think they're, they're more likely to drop off. Yeah, can't see them picking up. That's it. Well, we play them just before the bye. We play them just after we play Geelong. You know, what? I, I would be hoping for a big win there as well, but, you know, Carlton away, we seem to struggle with that with that matchup. Well, I mean, the one with that is, like Rick says, we've got it at the MCG. It's how much of it is that we struggle to beat them away and how much is it that we struggle to beat a... Um, We'd struggle to be anyway. at times an under sixteen side at Etihad. We just seem to get to that mm. ground, and and the players' abilities just seem to um, disappear. All right, onto the Pies Collingwood. We play them at Adelaide Oval in round fifteen. We played them once last year in round nineteen, which was a disappointing six point loss at the MCG. Again, they've had a huge turnover as well. Um, they've brought in Levi Greenwood, um, Travis Barco. They've got Jack Chris from Brisbane. Um, and a couple of kids as well in, uh, in Moore, Dugowie and Maynard. Um, but they've lost Beams, they've lost Maxwell, they've lost Lamumba. Um, you know, Luke Ball's gone, Ben Hudson's gone. You know, they've turned it over. I think they've probably gained as much as they've lost. Oh, I think they've lost a little bit more than they've gained. I think, um, I think Greenwood is a good player, but I think he's going to have more pressure on him at the Pies than he had at North. Yeah. I think he's going to be higher up the, the midfield food chain and cop a bit more attention than he did over at the Kangaroos. And will yeah. be interesting to see how he uh, handles that. But I think Beams is obviously the big loss there. He's, um, that's really was their, uh, their classiest um, midfielder for uh, large parts for the last couple of years. And it leaves a big hole for them to fill. I think they've got the core of a very good team. Um, it's just very young at the moment. I think another 12 months into Broomhead, Kennedy, Grundy, um, guys like Keith and, and, and Taylor Adams as well would do them a world of good. They'll probably have guys like Seedsman, Fasolo, um, Brown and Reed back from injury. So you know, getting their, their core players back, um, I'm expecting them to sort of challenge for the finals again. I think they're the hardest ones to pick because they had such a, a good start to... 2014 before they had all those injuries and they were um, in a so woeful afterwards but then they've lost all these players as well so really they're my ones which have got like a, a wide range of pick I see they could finish anywhere from 7th down to um, 14th or 15th it's, yeah. it's the hardest one of the, the six teams we're going to have a look at outside of Essendon for uh, other reasons um, as to where they're going to finish yeah I know yeah, I, I'm a, I agree. I think they're a hard team to read. I actually don't mind how they've recruited and, and what they've lost is probably ageing aging stars. So they've lost a fair chunk of experience, but they're probably going to be down on output again anyway. So 
Um, and yeah, I'm interested to see how Grundy goes this year. I think this is a year he probably should start stepping it up a little bit further and he's showing great signs as a, a former uh, SA boy. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can, uh, he can show the AFL world. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, because of their, their, the games they get in Melbourne, um, they'll, they'll be around the mark. The one is there. What do you guys think of actually as, as Buckley as a coach? They seem to be each year um, just that little bit worse than the year before. Is it that um, just been the case that List has been turned over or is he just um, a great player but um, maybe not as good a coach? I think it's probably a bit of both. I think it's natural attrition to their list. I mean, the, their list was ageing. They've, they've replenished a lot with talented kids. They've, they've managed to get a lot of high draft picks. Um, they've picked well from other clubs. Um, but do the players play for Buckley? I mean, it's a fair question. I'm not too sure that they do. Well, I thought he was probably a little bit aggressive with, um, with coming in with his uh, culling of the squad. Um, but at the same time, he, he probably had to get rid of the uh, destabilising Mick Malthouse devotees. So he was probably a little bit of a victim of being rushed into the job a little bit early. Um, because uh, they were panicking that Collingwood were panicking that they might lose him. Um, so yeah, look, I don't know. I don't really care. I hope I hope they go backwards again this year. To be honest, so uh, if, if I... they miss the finals, if they miss the finals again, I think his job will come under question. Well, I think they're more likely to miss the finals than than make it. Uh, I think I'd, if I had to nail down a, a tip for them, it'd be round about the tenth mark. Yeah. I've seen that they're That's exactly they're, where I've got them as well, Tim. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're going to say they're going to get some wins over some teams who'll finish in the eight, but they'll drop some of the ones against teams they should beat. But I say we'll, we'll just see that, say they're the hardest ones to pick of all the teams, I think, this year. So we play them on a Thursday night. We play them after the Swans and before the showdown, so it's a pretty tough run for us. Mm. Um, I would hope that we would beat them at home. I'd expect we'd beat them at home. I mean, uh, you look at, you just look at our performances last year at home. It's, um, I mean, we were a good team, obviously, last year, one kick away from the preliminary, but at home, except for the, um, when we lost Trengrove against the Crows and the, the Essendon debacle of um, Kane Mitchell almost being called in to be Ruck, it's, um, we're pretty much unstoppable at Adelaide Oval. I don't see them getting over us there. Yeah, Thursday night in front of a packed house. Mm. Well, I'd, I'd actually dispute that. For their loss last year. I don't think it will be a packed house the Thursday night. I think it's going to be showing up that Port fans don't like that time slot. Mm. I think it's a perfect time slot for Adelaide, given their demographics. Um, but you look at Port, we, we aim at a, a lot of young families and young supporters, and Thursday night, it's a, it's a really bad time for getting families along to the football. I guess it does affect the country um, supporters, doesn't it? It makes it difficult for them to uh, to come over and uh, take a seat. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I don't know. Um, what, when is it? July. Oh, shit. That would be a challenge to get to that game. So you're right. Yeah, Thursday night sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on. Talk about the Bombers. Jeez. Are they going to be able to field a team? That's a big question. I mean, and, you, and if they do, it's, it's very be hard to, to rate or review what's going to happen here because mm. we play them late in the year, round seventeen at Etihad Stadium. So it's, oh. it's going to be late in the year. They should have 
They'll have their the, players. The majority of their players back by then. Yeah. By the time we play them, they'll have all their players back. But as far as they go for the season, their season could be shot by round four or five. If they've only got, um, if they're missing 12, 14 first choice players, they'll, they could play GWS and they'll get flogged by 100 points. Their, their season will be shot. It's. Yeah. Um, Personally, I don't see it that the AFL would allow that to happen. I'm sure that they're going to um, ensure that, come hell or high water, that any suspension is going to be served before round one or it really froze the whole season and not just Essendon, but everyone into mockery. Otherwise, you're yeah. gifting teams like Sydney and um, Hawthorne who get them in the first two rounds a leg up over um, everyone else who's challenging for the eight. Just make a mockery of 2015. Would you have well, lost Ryder? To, uh, to Port Adelaide. They've brought in Cooney, Giles and, and Gwilt as well. Mm-hmm. Who knows what's going to happen? I mean, essentially, if they had their full full squad available for the whole year, I think they're a slight chance for the Premiership. I've got them oh. fifth with an asterisk. Um, but that's on the proviso that they have the whole squad there for the whole year. No. If they don't, I mean, you just can't predict where they're going to finish. It could um, be anywhere. I mean, you look at last year where they finished, what was it, fifth at the um, at the end? And you look there, Giles is a is um, he's a better ruck than uh, than Loudon as um, he was chased by obviously both Essendon and the Crows, but he's certainly a, a fair drop down from Ryder. Um, Cooney, he was great in his day, but I think in the year of the interchange cap, the way with his knees, even that he's got some of it back, he's I wouldn't have picked him up for Port if they were, uh, if the Bulldogs had been offering to pay his full salary. I think he's um, the game's passed him by, and Will he's been delisted by St Kilda. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if anything else uh, doesn't scream quality. I like their key position players. I think they've got very good key position players, even with Paddy Ryder going, and um, that's always going to keep him in the game. But I just think that this is going to just be very destabilizing destabilising to their psyche, especially with um, uh, the ego himself, the walking the walking kingpin of AFL football, uh, James Hurd, um, and it's all about me, um, I think that's going to create another distraction for the club as well. Well, that's the whole one. It, either he's... Um, you get a ruling from Asda that's adverse against the players and the, the pressure comes back on him to resign. If he does resign, then unless... Bomber Thompson comes back, there's a whole new coach who has to um, acclimatise the players and vice versa and they're behind the eight ball. Or he stays and I just don't rate Hurd as a coach um, as being that great anyway. And certainly every day of the week rather that Port was facing a Bomber's side coach by Hurd on the field than one coach by uh, Thompson. Uh, I think he's much cannier and uh, obviously experienced and better coach than Hurd. I think that's a sort of one of the um, unspoken things that leaving aside all the Asda side for Hurd, he's just um, not as good a coach as Thompson is and that's going to have Essendon dropping down the ladder to a degree. Yeah, it's a fair call. I mean, I really like their squad. I think on, on face value they should finish in the finals, high up in the finals. And, and if they do lose a lot of their players at the start of the year, I mean, what's their psyche going to be like? I mean, can they come back from that? But I guess the interesting thing relating it to Port is, you know, there was a time not that long ago where we probably could play Port Magpies Reserves and we would have beaten Essendon. We seem to beat them every time we played them. We haven't beaten them in five games. Um, we haven't beaten them since 2010. 
Um, so what are we expecting away from home? I mean, it's going to be another tough, uh, another tough match, that one. Well, well, the first one is I hope we actually play a decent number of key position players this time. I think so. Yeah. so it was aerial ping-pong when we played them last year from watching a bunch of smalls trying to compete with their talls. We got the ball into our forward 50 enough times that if, um, if we'd had some targets, we would have uh, had a, a comfortable win, but it was just um, kick it there, watch it sail back over the head. I think as mm. if, um, long as we're not suffering injuries to our talls by the time we play them, I think we'll account for them. I don't, it won't be a huge victory, but I'd say somewhere around 30 to 40 um, point mark. What about the rider factor? I don't think it's going to be an issue by the time we play them. By then, he's going to have been uh, playing for Port for half a season. I mean, he'll, he'll get some boos, of course. The Essendon fans, um, as we've seen over the years with them uh, booing uh, injured umpires and the like, are, uh, aren't exactly a classy bunch. With um, well, They're still doing a standby herd, but um, I think he's a big enough um, fellow rider to have that wash off his back, and it won't have any effect. It'll be, I reckon it'll be a good game to, for us supporters to get over to. I think, uh, I think we, we should be able to push them greatly, uh, if not get the win. So, but I think I'm very optimistic about every game we play this year. So, um, yeah, I, and yeah, Essendon supporters, so they make me laugh sometimes. <laughs> it's going to be a tough one. I, I hope we can win, but yeah, I don't know. Essendon seem to get up for Port lately, so I've probably got that marked down as a loss. I'm expecting a loss in that one. Such a I, I feel confident now. Yeah. You can never feel confident about a game until Macca gives it a kiss of death, Rick. Yeah, well, that's very true. Uh, I do understand that. If he tips us for a 0-22 season, I'm going out and putting uh, 100 bucks on us for the flag. <laughs> Love it. Well, look, last but certainly not least, uh, we'll talk about Fremantle. Um, we, we played them the two bookends. And it's so crucial for our year this year. Round one at Subiaco, and round 23 at Adelaide Oval. Uh, we played them three times in 2014 for, for two wins and a loss. Uh, most importantly, that fantastic come from behind win in the semi final at Subiaco. Um, I think it's just pretty much more of the same with Freo. They haven't really done much with their list. I mean, it's, it stayed pretty much the same. Mm. Um, but it, it is one year older, and they do have a quite an aging squad. Well, that's the whole thing with Frio and um, West Coast probably in the same situation, that they just haven't been able to attract that quality players over to, um, to WA. I mean, um, Frio outside of recently Pierce and Sylvia, and didn't the latter one turn out wonderfully well, just haven't been able to get anyone who wants to join them. And um, especially KP, uh, key position players, they're screaming out for those to replace um, Pavlik, McFarlane, Sanderlands. It's like you say, they're an, another year older now. It's um, 2015, it's really now or never for Frio. Yeah. Well, surely Victorians have worked out by now that if you can't stay in Victoria, Adelaide has to be the next best place because it's not that far away. I mean, really, it's, it's just a pig of a location for travel-wise, I guess, for them, isn't it, for players? So uh, what I find interesting for us against Fremantle will be how we handle... Um, they're small players this year. I, I think uh, we did get exposed by them, and the small defender was probably still uh, an issue for us throughout the season of 2014. Um, so do you guys agree that that was the case and that uh, Frigo's small players will be a test for us? I think they always are. They've got a fantastic midfield, arguably the best midfield in the league, and their small forwards are definitely the best in the league. Um, 
and, and you're right, it, it is an issue that we will have to deal with next year. Hopefully guys like Impey can stand up. I think another 12 months into Pittard will do him a world of good as well, um, Brody as well. I think we'll be able to match them next year. Um, I think they're going to be right up the top again. I've got them finishing in the top four. You know, they've kept their list together. You know, they've got such a dominant side. They've got a game plan that just wins matches as well. Obviously, the bad for them is that they just don't have anyone really coming through um, in key positions. They rely so heavily on Pavlich and McFarlane. Um, you know, at least in the forward line, they've got Taberner and Aitness coming through, but they're still very, very raw. Um, if they have a lot of injuries to their key defenders, they're in a, a world of hurt, I think. I mean, I'd tip them still to finish top four as well. I think it's not so much a case. They, they're not going to improve, obviously. They're going to head backwards. But I think, other than Gold Coast, there's really not anyone who's coming up from outside the eight who's um, you know, pressuring you know, the teams that were in there last year that I can see. It's, um, you know, you're going to have teams that you improve, like Brisbane, um, St. Kilda and the like, are going to be better than last year, but you know, they're not pushing up to that uh, end of a ladder. So I think it's yeah. I think 2015. I think they'll still be around the mark, top four or at the very least top six. But um, you definitely see that they're going to drop off a cliff either um, either this year, but I think more likely next year. I think they've missed their chance. I, I think they should have won it last year or the year before. And you know, Sandilands is another year older. McFarland's another year older. Pavlich is another year older. Um, I don't, I'm not convinced on Zaf Clark. I think he's a little bit. Um, uh, flaky at times as well um, so yeah I, I just think there's something not right there for me with Frio like you said they've got a, they, they still do have a very strong squad though and with their home games uh, being at Perth they, they should win most of those so they'll be around the mark but I, I just suspect they'll they'll fall short again yeah I mean I think they'll fall short but I mean on, on talent I'd put them um, fourth behind Port Sydney Hawks um and them in fourth place, but then they say if you manage to get in the top four or five, then you never know what's going to happen. You know, does the other side cop some uh, untimely injuries or suspensions? That they'll be up around to challenge for the flag, but I'm with you, Rick. I don't think they'll get there, but you never know. I'm really looking forward to the rotations and seeing Fife and Wines match up again on each other throughout the year. I mean, two absolute gun footy players. And uh, but what what I thought Wines did in that third quarter against Frio in the final was just amazing. Um, let alone what he did to Fife, and so I, I think there's that's going to be a great match up when they part, cross paths during the year. Yeah, I think Wines will um, take him to task there. Wines was able to match him last year, and all the reports out of this preseason with um, obviously him having slimmed down and uh, worked on his running and outside game is. Um, that sort of negates the, the advantage that Fife did have over him. And how big are these two games? These are arguably the two most important games for the year. Round one away to set up the season. How much confidence are we going to have going into Sydney at home in round two with a big win in Perth? And I mean, likewise, round 23, we, we play Hawthorne and Gold Coast away the two prior weeks. You know, it, it could be the win we need to secure top four, um, similar to, to a 2014. Is this just the? Is this just going to be the regular fixture now? Like we play Frio, <laughs> last last game every year. I mean, it seems to be an AFL directive that yeah. the two South Australian sides have to play away, or have to play um, the WA sides in the last round. Yeah, it happens every year. 
Yep, it's like, you know, God forbid that um, the Victorian sides would have to travel that extra, you know, 45 minutes on a plane in round 23. It didn't hurt us this year having a hard hit out and assuming Frio at home in the last round is going to be another hard hit out, I think. At least it's at home this year and, uh, you know, it's a good preparation for a finals campaign. Hopefully we're playing in one. Absolutely. Well, boys, I think we might leave it there for now. I have one thing, Macca. Yep. What about the outroar or uproar with the, the Essendon selecting players from the state leagues and um, there, a lot of people aren't happy that you know, Petrenko's gone over and others and the SANFL is apparently a feeder club but it's not a feeder, uh, a feeder competition. What is the SANFL now and what is it representing? Is it time for... The SAFL diehard supporters to maybe accept that it isn't a feeder club to higher honours, or um, is it not? The SAFL is a feeder competition, and it's been a feeder competition for about 20 years. Well, you could argue it was a feeder competition even before the Adelaide Crows were formed. Probably. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast, isn't it? We've got a, a National Football League, and then we've got a number of leagues on a second tier. Which, uh, which supply players to the AFL. It's as simple as that. I think the one with the SNFL is they really have to stop trying to hang their hat on that they're the, the, the second best um, league in the land or the, the best of the um, second tier competitions. It's like, yep. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Get over it. I mean, it, uh, if you're second or third or fourth best, uh, the key one is you're not the winner. No one cares who comes second in this race. And, I mean, I say it with a bit of respect um, to the SANFL supporters that still are passionate about it, but the SANFL. But I guess you can't begrudge these players wanting a, an opportunity to try and play at the higher honour again. And, and I guess the only thing that I, I don't really like about it is maybe that Edmund should be punished by, not for this year's salary cap, but for next year's salary cap and have it factored into the salary cap for these players, um, seeing they cheated in the first place. Yeah. Well, it's a hard one. It's like SNFL and Essendon. It's like, um, which one's your back in that argument? Mm. Neither. <laughs> it's like herpes and syphilis. It's mean. <laughs> 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 so funny, Maka. <laughs> well, Crack. on that note, I think we'll, you uh, me up. we'll leave it there. Yes, it's been a great night. Thanks, Andre. You've done well. Yeah, thanks oh, for coming thank on, you. buddy. Yeah, appreciate it. It's all good. wasn't too bad. Well, glad Thanks, to be boys. here. See you, Go the power. Go the power. Woo. It's more than a sport. Black! Black!